Hey, it's Connor Daly. We have the Indy 500 coming up, and that's exactly what we talk about this week on my Dirty Mo Media podcast, Speed Street. Enjoy this episode, and be sure to tune in to the Indy 500, May 28th on NBC. This is a production of Dirty Mo Media. What a time to be alive in Indianapolis as a race fan. Uh, we are uh, high above, getting high above uh, the front stretch here in the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Connor Daly, Joey Molinero, Speed Street. We have a very special guest today, president of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, Doug Bowles. He stops by. Um, and we're going to, as we record today, after a rainout, we're going to have cars on track. It's looking to be a beautiful Wednesday, Thursday, definitely coming up. So loads of loads of car activity. And uh, we, we know we got to get Connor in and out of here. So Connor... Mm. How you doing, my bud? It's good. It's good to be here uh, sharing a mic, uh, looking at all the two-seaters. If you do hear IndyCar two-seaters go by, it's because that's happening right behind us. We're in the Pagoda currently recording this show. Um, but, uh, yeah, there's a lot to get to, obviously. And, honestly, uh, a lot of fans around the track over the last just literally five days because we had the GP and uh, a rainout practice yesterday. A lot of Speed Street listeners, so appreciate those folks coming up and basically just shouting it at me like it's yeah. a catchphrase. Uh, yeah, yeah I enjoy that a lot. Uh, that's very, very entertaining. Um, so thank you for for checking out the show. Um, but yeah, a lot had gone, a lot of two-seater noise. I feel like we're in the race, which is great. Yep. Um, but uh, yeah, the Indy GP, I think there was... Um, it was an interesting race. It was it was supposed to be very similar when it came to like how the rate like the, we used the exact same tires they said as last year, but the tires reacted entirely different this year, and it was a much more difficult race, I would say, for everyone and a very very diverse tire strategy throughout the field. A, a race that like throughout my team was like we actually don't know what many people are doing strategy wise because it was a very very kind of chaotic race and some people obviously like Alex Pillow uh wasn't racing anyone he was just way better than everyone else so that was fascinating um a lot of people had tough days too you know I I I obviously we've had a horrible year but you know me at the beginning of the race we were racing with Scott McLaughlin we were racing with Marcus Armstrong you know Penske and Ganassi cars uh early on um you know and that's that's kind of something that we haven't haven't done as much this year um some craziness that Went on between Santino and I, uh, which I'm sure was not caught on television, uh, but that relationship continues to blossom uh, in the worst possible way. Um, I, uh, I lap two, uh, well, actually might have been on the restart, but the Santino tried to pass me on the outside of turn seven, and guess what? I decided that I would no longer be uh, the one run into the grass and I was going to run people into the grass. So I drove directly into Santino and ran him directly off the track. Maybe this is a Denny Hamlin situation where I'm admitting my faults, my act- activities, but um, we don't penalize for things like that in any car. So that was gonna that say, I didn't say anything. I yeah, I didn't see anything either. Didn't feel anything. Uh, felt great. But then uh, Santino decided this is kind of a funny story, but as the tires degraded, you you found yourself way better than some people at times and then struggling at the end of stints, and there was a lot of reshuffling. And Santino was on new reds, I believe, and was was catching me. I was like, all right, hey, he's faster than me right now. I'm going to be a mature driver and be like, hey, I might have ran you off the beginning because I didn't want to lose position, and it was a start. 
But now I'm like, you know what? You're faster. Here we go. Uh, he tries to pass me into turn one and uh, doesn't actually turn into the corner at all. He basically just rides me out to the basically run off of the track. So not only did he sacrifice about two or three seconds of his own speed and his own stint, so he kind of like gave up on racing for two to three seconds just to make sure that I didn't make the corner. So uh, not really sure about how that works out for him. But hey, is it payback for maybe me running him into the grass? Probably. So the 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 banter continues. The um, the 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 great relationship that we have continues. Did you tell um, him to fuck himself after? I did not tell him anything. I saw him last night in the bus lot. Didn't even look at him. I, I didn't pretend that he wasn't there. Um, and uh, and that's how it goes. So great stuff happening in the IndyCar paddock. Everyone else. I even talked to Devlin last night, so I was feeling friendly. Um, you know, he was there with 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 his fancy scooter here. You and Devlin had the problem. You you know the famous. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm still still not a fan. Yeah. Um, but uh, but you know what? good on you for not looking at Santino in the, in the driver's lot because you need to save that for the pits. You know, exactly. Save yeah, yeah, yeah. Out there, get it going, man. Yep. So anyway, still my. Uh, uh, biggest egregious enemy. Honestly, we're not fighting for anything great anyway. I, I, yet again, an Indy GP weekend where it was a very sad result for our team in general. Just completely not even in the same realm of 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 speed as we were last year. Um, you know, we have to be honest with ourselves. We we have to figure out a way to get better. This is people have to realize as well. This is a team sport. This is not me and Renus forgetting how to drive. This is every everyone together has to be better. Um, so it's it's something that is very very difficult. But from an outsider's perspective, you just see it as the driver. You, a lot of people just see it as the driver not doing as well. But there's a reason why this stuff happens. Um, you can only go as fast as you you, you feel capable of going. Um, you know, in your race car at the time. So uh, you know, we saw guys like Penske. Nothing. You know, I don't. I don't think any of those guys made the fast twelve uh, in qualifying. Uh, you know, last weekend as well. So a lot of interesting stuff in qualifying. A lot of really good drivers kind of buried in the middle of the pack. Um, we had two teammates take each other out, Stingray Bob and and, uh, and David Malukas. That was wild. <laughs> that happened right behind me, too. I couldn't believe it. Um, and it was funny because I don't know if people noticed, but when you saw Grosjean on the side, side by side with Stingray, Grosjean, who was also back there, which that that's crazy as well, Grosjean was never going to lift, ever. And into turn seven, you know, everyone is stopping. But those two had both committed to not stopping until the other one stopped first. And so Grosjean was never going to make the corner anyway. But because Stingray was on the inside, he happened to run into his teammate who was the, the basically the car in front of him. And Grosjean went straight off the track too. So that often happens in racing. You want to have the, uh, the bravest attitude and you want to be the last person to break to try to make that pass but sometimes if both of you decide to make that decision both of you go off <laughs> so or you're saying Tina you just been a dick or that yeah. yeah so it was it was it was it was interesting to see um but what did it look like from your perspective I was gonna have fan perspective was there well because uh, it was a nice day yeah lovely well, day that's what I was gonna add it was, it was a nice but it was humid as it, yeah. hell hot as hell and you mentioned the tires like so, how how much did the the, the the conditions of just the day? Because me and all the boys are out there, and I mean, it was we were roasting against sunburned like crazy. How much did that play into it? I mean, is that a lot yeah? Of the, or what? Well, the weather was awful. It was yeah. it was really hard for us. Um, I don't think it played much into the tires because we've had hot races here before. But 
for some reason, the tires were definitely going off like crazy. So, um, the race pace, you know, we'd end up doing, you know, in qualifying, we were doing lap times of, uh, you know, 60 or 70 seconds, 69 seconds. And we'd be doing, you know, four seconds slower than that in the race at times. So it's, it's, it's kind of crazy how that, that plays out. Um, but this is racing. Sometimes you got to deal with those things. And there was, you know, to see Alex below win, I'm not really surprised at all. That team has done such a great job. He kind of just felt due. Yep, yep. And then McLaren having a really strong day as well. Also kind of expected. Um, but you mentioned it's super hot. A lot of drivers really gassed after that race. I, I, I was, I mean, I was dying in the car. It's still so absurdly hot. You know, we had had the cool shirt, had everything. People always ask me, like, well, do you have a cool shirt? Do you have air vents? There's no vent. There's no air. There, the cool shirts don't really work. I'd imagine you, those run out after. No, no. I mean, like the system keeps going. Oh, it like, does? yeah, it's it's a, it's an always flowing system. It's supposed to be, yeah. but you get hotter and hotter in the car. You never feel it. Um, and it was funny. The last pit stop, I I tried to get ice in my suit, and uh, we did that in St. Pete. And thankfully, we have a guy now that does the tear offs. Uh-huh on the aero screen, right? So he's solely responsible for pulling those tear-offs. Tear-offs were not important. I could see, but get in there and put some ice in my suit because I'm literally dying. And so he put the ice in there. Obviously we had, we had actually great pit stops. So boom, it's six seconds, put the ice in there. He basically like punched me in the chest with ice. And I'm thinking it's great going down pit lane. And as soon as I hit the brakes out of pit lane, all the ice flies directly forward <laughs> and the ice is gone. It completely disappears. So it just goes to show you how much, how much force we actually put through the brake pedal, even coming out of the pits that all this ice that I thought was tucked in my suit, my suit probably wasn't zipped up afterwards, but all of the ice, almost every single piece of it just shot all the way to the brake pedal, to the, the gas pedal, never felt it again, never saw it again. It obviously melted pretty quickly, but it was, um, that was a shame because I was hoping for a nice little ice bath about halfway through. Yeah, but sure enough, I then suffered for the next, the last twenty laps. And uh, damn if you do, it was damn brutal. If you don't. Yeah, it was. It was a brutal, brutal race. And I wish we could do something. And I got a couple questions, a little bit about the cool suit too. And just to let people know where we use that, we use the cool suit everywhere except for Texas and Indy, um, and and probably Gateway as well. We can use it at Iowa, and we can use it all the street and road courses, but we don't use it at Indy or Texas um, because at Indy and Texas, you get enough air. Thankfully, at 220 plus, when you're averaging that for that long, there is more air than doing, you know, 190 here for like eight seconds. So that's that's about it. Yeah, it was, um, the mounds were great. You know, yes. there in the, the turn one, obviously turn four for, the, for Indy, but for the GP turn one, and those were packed. Uh, I mean, the attendance, I think I saw Nathan Brown or somebody say that it was, you know, 70,000, yeah. something like that. Um, but then, of course, the TV ratings come out and then and no bueno again. <laughs> and I don't know if it's just because a, a lot of this, you know, people who would be watching it in their televisions at home are at the race now. Or if it was just because it was Mother's Day and graduations I saw people talking about on Twitter. Or if it was just because, you know, the race was you know, kind of just drive it. Yeah, it makes me really angry to see, honestly. And I and I think this is a product, though. And again, this is not an expert opinion. Um, I think IndyCar's done a great job social media-wise. Yeah. Our social content is at a way higher level, which is awesome. I got some really. stuff coming out with them coming up. Yes, super excited. Very encouraging yeah. stuff. Um, but I still, I don't, 
I don't think that equates to getting people to watch on TV. We still haven't made the right, or not the right move, but a a move that is like, wow, we got to watch that on TV on on Saturday, right? And again, maybe people think we're racing on Sunday, so Saturday a little bit different, but Saturday in the middle of the day, 3.30 in the afternoon, like, there's not a, t- I mean, maybe there's a, a, a little bit else going on, like NBA playoffs, stuff like that. I don't know, NHL stuff, maybe, but, but somehow we are not able to attract people with racing because I think our racing is still, yeah. although it was an all green race, essentially, the racing, because there was tire strategy, people were kind of all over the place. So clearly, Racing is not what gets you ratings. I, I don't think that's that's what happens right now. It's got to be the hype. It's got to be the attraction for whatever we have going on um, because I don't believe our product is the problem. I don't believe racing is the problem. Um, so I, I, I'm, I'm just very curious. It's got to be a marketing spin. You know, people watch F1 not for racing. People watch F1 because they think it's cool or something. I, I don't know, but it's not racing. So... Uh, and, and NASCAR, I think the Darlington race, I thought was good. I thought the racing was okay, but I didn't think the racing was spectacular. But again, solid ratings for those guys. So maybe that's there's something else there. There's something that we are just missing that both of these elements, NASCAR and F1, do seem to have because they're able to kind of average a million viewers. They're able to get that million-dollar million number, yeah. yeah. But, like, why do we all of a sudden drop from a million to 750, like 750,000 people is a lot of people, but not in our, well, that's not what we need. We need more, especially at Indy, Network NBC on a Saturday. Um, so I don't know what that answer is, and and I wish I did, and obviously I think we all wish we did, but there's something missing. It's not our product. I do believe that it's still the the pushing it out to the people. The CW show is not doing it. It's a great show. But but that's for that that's it from how many people are watching that that's our core fans that are watching yeah. that I'm sorry to say but CW I I I love what they're doing and their production is awesome and I think the show is fantastic yeah but it's not going to get there yet it, it's because it's first season it's going to take some time our core fans are watching it but that's not going to make people watch on on TV either so there's got to be a, a a more aggressive ad campaign and and i know elio was on the today show right we see that but what else do we need i don't know i'm asking the question because i i don't I, if i knew i would try to help i just try to do that by doing this podcast and telling people hey yeah we got a great race to watch our product is not the problem it does always feel like the you know two steps forward one step back yeah you know it's like We've got a great social content yeah well yeah but but even you know like you said like you'll hit you'll hit a good number for ratings on a race prior and then all of a sudden yeah you come here and then all of a sudden it just drops on you like what what it, it's a great mystery yeah you know, I, I think if you had a room full of you know 18 to 20 people who were you know the doug bolses of the world the marketing you know everybody mm. there would be a whole bunch of different darts being thrown of like okay let's figure this out how are we figuring it out and i know that's happening but it's just it's a great mystery and it is frustrating it is so you know we don't have a ton of time this week on this episode but i think there's a couple other things that were going on uh darlington obviously we saw ross get make more people angry uh ross chastain which was very interesting uh and also formula one this weekend is is now canceled which is kind of wild because of crazy weather and over in imola uh, that's wild. The San Marino GP, 
Um, that's kind of crazy, but we're all focused on Indy 500 stuff here. So, uh, we, we love to do that. Um, I will say last weekend I hit Polo and I hit William Byron folks. So heating up at the (laughs) right time, uh, everybody, you know, I'm getting ready and I'm I'm about planning the Indy 500 uh, strategy as we speak right now, but I went Saturday winter, I went Sunday winter and I'm feeling good. All right, we've got some incredible questions from the Door Bumper Clear guys. Uh, big fan of that show. Uh, let's hear what they've got to say for us. All right, well, last week, I know Dale asked Connor and Joey what the most embarrassing moment they've had behind the wheel was, and this week it is our turn to ask Connor and Joey some questions celebrating the month of Speed Street. Freddie. Yeah, mine's mine is strictly racing related. My birthday is this is for Connor because I know this this is this is one of his many talents at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Um, my birthday is August thirteenth, which is the Saturday or Sunday of uh, Indie Week when we're there. So I just need to know what what bar he is renting out for me on my birthday. Like, where are we going? I know this is one of his um, uh, something that he has very familiar with in that town. I would assume so. Uh, where are we going and what time should I be there? So best indie bars, Joey, I'll let you start right now. Where where should we where should they be celebrating doing things? Yeah, well they're gonna be in Speedway for the race weekend that weekend. So I think uh, a couple you gotta start uh, looking at um, Daredevil uh, brewery. That's a that's a really fun one. Um, O'Reilly's is always good right there. Uh, but then when you go downtown Indy, I know uh, a few of our favorites, Connor. Uh, you got Coach's Tavern, nice little dive. Great place. Spend a lot of pl- a lot of time there. Great. Uh, the Oakmont is great for Instagrammy things and brunch and um, a, a blast as well. Yes, I would. Uh, I would. I would like the Oakmont as well. Uh, why not go to the Tin Roof? The Tin Roof can be an exciting time. I've had quite a couple times there myself. Mm-hmm. Um, Sixteen bit, another good one. Yeah, yeah, that's solid. So uh, just go with those, and you'll be you'll be happy. Uh, you'll find Denny Hamlin at the Wild Beaver Saloon. Uh, I've sung karaoke with him uh, there. Uh, he did he did sing the 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 thong song on Brickyard Weekend one year. I witnessed it. It was awesome. Great great effort from him. <laughs> I got a serious question, and I need a serious answer. Which which racetrack is going to consume more fireball shots, Charlotte Motor Speedway or Indianapolis Motor Speedway? Ooh, that's for Joey. That's a that's probably a Joey question. I mean, that's a Memorial Day. Nothing screams America like fireball. Uh, that's a good one. Um, see, I'm thinking that it's uh, more middle of the day, obviously, for the 500s. So the sun's going to be at prime time. So that's a lot of thickness going down. It's a lot to be on you. And I think that uh, Indy 500 fans are definitely going to be slamming the Miller lattes, uh, maybe even a few Coors Lights. Uh, they're going to be sticking with more of the beer. I, I call that the uh, the black primary, you know, um, as compared to the fireball. Uh, red alternate so i think that once you get to the sun going down down there in charlotte it's evening time then you can hit the liquor we're gonna stick with the beer here in indy 500 i think i would want connor to explain what it's like in detail going around indianapolis motor speedway that fast in very unprofessional terms he <laughs> he said the other day that they're expecting uh, we were in that twitter spaces and he jumped in there with us and we we're talking about the downforce package they're running this year he's expecting the the qualifying to be about 234 miles an hour. That's all? That's it. I want to know what that's like. Like when you're on edge, like I want want you to describe it like we're sitting at a bar and what you would say. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the speed above 230 is, um, it's actually really wild. I would say the, um, the sensation 
per mile an hour is much more sensitive once you get above 230. Once you get above, once you're averaging above 228, 229, that sensation is 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 very very sensitive. Um, like if you enter turn three down the back straight at 239 compared to 244, that you can you feel like you're doing 20 mile an hour more. Um, so it's it's insane fast when we're trimmed out doing that speed. Um, it's the most ridiculous feeling ever because every sensory, uh, sensory piece of your body is on overload. You're just trying to be as smooth as possible with your hands, as smooth as possible with everything and, uh, not die. That's it. So, um, pretty, pretty wild feeling, but that's, you know, coolest feeling ever really. That's key. Don't do that. Don't, don't, don't die. Well, Let's just go ahead and get right to our guests since we are going to get into it. Great uh, great conversation with the president of the Indianapolis Water Speedway, Doug Bowles, uh, my stepdad as well. Um, so, yeah, let's jump right into it and, and see what he's got to say about this great place. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we have a very uh, important and prominent guest this week. Uh, very, very special to uh, the history of motor racing. Very, very special to the uh Greatest racetrack in the world, uh, a part of my family, a very important part of my family. Uh, Jay Douglas Bowles, uh, thank you for being here, a guest on the Speed Street Podcast. Uh, we are here at the racetrack. You are in another room. We are in another room, uh, but this is a professional podcasting. Um, how do we feel after day one of a little bit of rain in the practice yesterday, but obviously it looks great now. Are we feeling good for the rest of the week? Yeah, I think we feel good certainly for today and tomorrow. You know, you never know Indiana weather where it's going to end up being. Friday looks kind of iffy and who knows what the weekend's going to hold. But, you know, I've gotten to the point where I just don't worry about the weather. You can't do anything about it. So you just try and stay focused and hope that every day when you get here, it's going to be a beautiful sunny day like it is right now this morning. A little bummed out yesterday. We maybe should have waited around a little longer because Ew. by the time uh, five o'clock rolled around, the racetrack was pretty dry and sunset over here is up, you know, eight thirty. So we could we could have run you guys all night. Yeah, I think for for those that were here, honestly, great crowd yesterday. First of all, Joey, I don't know if you noticed that, but a lot of people here. Uh, garages were, were yeah, garages were full. Um, a ton of people interacting and wanting to uh, see practice on Tuesday, day one. Uh, which again, it, it, I honestly feel it in my heart. I, I feel bad that we can't do anything. Like when we got out there, like at one moment in the day, all of a sudden it was drying out, and I was like literally doing an appearance for Mount Comfort RV. I was yeah. over at their little place, and it started drying out, and I was like, I should probably go back because I think we're gonna go on track. Sure enough, I literally get to the garage and they're like, Yeah, go to pit lane right now. And we're like, Okay, all right. All the drivers are running to pit lane. Like this happens on the fly because if the if you stop here in the jet dryers right doug that means that they've been they've been called back and we might be able to go on track so that was kind of what happened yesterday how close were we to like was it a 10 minute like were we 10 minutes earlier then we could have gone out maybe for install laps uh, i think we were within four or five four or five minutes actually oh. going going out on track when the drizzle started coming again and you're right when those jet dryers go up it means one of two things we're about to go on track or it's raining again, you know, and, and obviously it wasn't. So, uh, it was kind of fun to watch everybody scramble. And, and, uh, I, at one point in time looked up at the monitor and, uh, uh, Ed Carpenter's car was being towed out in pit lane, almost faster than I think the car goes on track. They were hurrying so much to get that car. In, yes. in the, pit lanes. the teams were definitely scrambling. Now I'm, 
a little ignorant to all this, but you know, when I when I think, okay, president of IMS, I'm thinking that's president. You you got the last call. What's the process in terms of the weather? How you get out there? Who has to decide um, for a situation like we had on Tuesday? I think there are three really important components in those decisions. One of them is obviously uh, the NTT IndyCar series. So I talked to Jay several times throughout the day. Jason Penix on the Speedway team is in race control. So he's sort of my voice to what's going on in race control as well. And Jason and, and Jay touch base, uh, certainly. And then the other piece we have to think through is uh, is our NBC uh, Peacock relationship, uh, making sure that they're com- comfortable with everything. So they would have been fine, obviously, because they were planning on doing things until 6. The conversation with them really would have been more important if we said, hey, we're going to go to 7 or, or later to make sure that they continue to cover it. But Jay and I talked several times yesterday and, and actually – a little before four, when we made a decision to go ahead and shut things down, we both on the phone thought, you know what will happen when we do this? And oh, then sure. certainly it did. It dried right up and by a little after five, but everything was ready to go. Well, it's it's almost like racing science. I was in the pit lane getting ready to get in the car and they told me, well, you should probably get in because we, we might go out. And, and I said, as soon as I get in, it'll start raining more. And sure enough, as soon as you get in the car, it starts raining more. It's just, it's motorsport science. It, yep. It's what happens. If there was an ESPN segment about that, they would do that sports science. Don't bring us. Yep, exactly. Um, but I think not to stay too much on the rain, but I think folks always find this interesting. And I actually got, I think Callum Eilat or a couple other drivers, even Colton Herta, I think, asked me yesterday, like, there's obviously the air Titan. And then there's the jet dryers, but there's obviously a certain cost like that it comes with the Air Titan. And like people see the Air Titans really for race weekends, probably that's that's the most. And the track doesn't necessarily own Air Titans. Like you don't have a bunch of Air Titans just packed away in the museum somewhere, right? Like there's you have to bring those in for race weekend. And but but the jet dryers you you have here, what what is the difference in drying time? Do you know, and and is that is that really only a race weekend or qualifying weekend thing? Do you have them for qualifying too? So the Air Titans we actually rent from NASCAR for race weekend. So they come in on that Wednesday or Thursday of race week. We have them here for car day. In fact, I think we had them out during Carb Day last year to make sure mm, that we dry, yes to dry things off. And that's a you know forty thousand dollar forty five thousand dollars spend to have those come in and just be on standby even even if you never use them. And then we've got six or seven jet dryers here on our own. A jet dryer costs about 2500 bucks an hour to run a jet dryer. So when you've got six jet dryers out there for an hour, uh, that, that bill goes up pretty quickly. I think our team would argue that at some level, we think the jet dryer is just as effective and can be just as quick uh, as the Air Titans, especially if you've got some sun and wind to help things. Yeah. Our track tends to dry really, really quickly compared to a lot of other tracks, especially tracks that are flat. Uh, but those Air Titans, when we've got them, it's just one more one more piece of equipment that can really help us just expedite that. Or you can get you can get air titans to focus on the racetrack and the jet dryers on pit lane, or vice versa. The more you have to throw at drying the track off, uh, you know, the better off you are. But but we don't feel like we really need it on a day like uh, yesterday, or, or frankly for qualifying. We think those jet dryers uh, applied the right way can be just as effective. Doug, I've been doing a lot of studying on uh, past 500s, watching a lot of old ones uh, with my son at five in the morning uh, this month. Um, and we all know that, you know, you're first and foremost, you're, you're a huge race fan and a fan of, of this hollowed ground. What's your favorite 500 ever? Oh, wow. Wow, that's a that's such a tough question. It's funny, I've been working with the folks at NBC and a, and a handful of other people to try and, 
you know, highlight the top 10 Indianapolis 500s is so hard because that some of be the racing list. was great. Top 10? Wow. Mm-hmm. Top 10 would yes. be a great list. But it's hard, right? Because some of them, yeah. the racing was great. Um, but maybe there weren't those big iconic moments. You have like a, a Danny Sullivan spin and win. That race wasn't necessarily the greatest race in the world, but that's one of the most iconic moments. So it's just really hard to define it. So I, I probably have three favorite races. Um, 1977, which was my first 500, and I was such an A.J. Foyt fan. For him to win his fourth Indianapolis 500 wow. uh, probably ranks right up there. And, and just the memories of walking through the gates with my dad and so many people fell in love with this place generationally, right? Because their granddad or their dad or whoever. So I have that memory. I, I have that memory at some level. Every every day I walk in the Speedway, I think about uh, parking in the town of Speedway and walking through gate one, seeing the big guy with the Jesus saves, uh, rainbow hair, Ooh. standing out front. <laughs> you know, those, just those memories as a 10-year-old um, still stick with me. And then the other two, um, 2013 was a big year for me. I, I wasn't quite president yet. I knew I was ultimately going to be I was the chief operating officer that year. Tony Kanaan finally wins an Indy 500, um, and there's some. There's nobody really that has been as passionate about that over the last couple of decades as TK was. Connor's first Indianapolis 500, so that was a really um, important race for me. And then 2021 for the same sort of two reasons. Elio Castroneves was a fourth, and that was pretty spectacular to see the way he celebrated. And the, and the coolness of now having another four-time winner. Uh, that we can help continue to promote the Indianapolis 500, and then Connor leading his first Indianapolis 500. So those would probably be the three uh, that are are the ones that stick out in my mind as as personally the my most my most favorite. This place, obviously, I mean those are those are some good ones. I mean, not bad. I, <laughs> this place has some um, some incredible history, some incredible things that happened here, obviously. Uh, but I would say that you are you know most heavily involved. I would say at a higher level than let's say most track presidents that I've seen. Like I've, I've, I've noticed, uh, I've met a lot of track presidents that have been great and like love their facilities and stuff like that. Um, I, I believe we got a question on Twitter too, uh, which, which I think is interesting, but like, do you have other than IMS, like what was your, what's your like favorite facility? Like what's your favorite track and like track, let's say like not just track, but like, who does the best job, you think, other than you guys here at the Speedway when it comes to track management, facility, all that stuff? Well, there's an awful lot of great track uh, presidents, track managers around the country. I probably have uh, the most, um, the closest relationship I have, and and one of the guys I really appreciate is Greg Walter, who runs Charlotte Motor Speedway, and part right. of that is because we have a mutual respect for each other. We sort of own Memorial Day Sunday, and we communicate on how are we going to continue to promote each other's events. You know, they they take the they take the evening, we get the day, um, and we work pretty closely together. And I think that facility does a pretty good job of, of doing all kinds of different events and and creative. We're both dirt track promoters at the same time, so there's a lot of things that we that we share in common. So that's definitely uh, definitely one of the tracks that I, that I really appreciate. I, I love going to Gateway. You know, I, I love Curtis and, and Chris and the things that they do over at Gateway. Just and that and part of that for me is it's another oval track, right? So I, I love oval racing. And I think it's really important that we continue to try and keep that healthy. And then this will sound a little bit crazy, um, but I love Reese O'Connor and Kokomo Speedway. I mean, I, I think about just oh. historic racetracks, and here's a guy that's a a weekly racetrack promoter, uh, you know, a quarter mile dirt track in sort of the middle of Indiana. Uh, and Reese and the the gang at uh, at Kokomo do great work. And anytime I have a chance to go hang out at Kokomo in the dirt, uh, that's a pretty good weekend for me. What and when can we expect uh, to see 
um, some some um, new developments going on outside of the track, right off 16th in that turn two gate entrance, right across the street. Yeah, that's a great question, and and you know one of the things that Roger said right away on, in November of 2019, actually the day that it was announced that he was going to purchase the speedway, is he really wanted to focus on a the racing, keep it going but also wanted to make this more of an entertainment destination. And then obviously COVID hits and, and the whole thing changed, right? It used to have our, our focus really on get the 500 healthy again. Let's get it back to uh, what we expected it to be um, when he, when he bought it. So that's really been our focus um, 2021, 22, and even a, a little bit this year, let's just really focus on our core business. But we are now beginning to talk again about, let's look at our thousand acres, not just the 300 acres that are inside the speedway, but let's look at our entire thousand acre campus. Let's work with the town of Speedway in the city of Indianapolis and try and figure out exactly uh, what we can do, especially with uh, the property across the street. The property across the street houses the IndyCar offices, the Penske Entertainment or IMSP offices are across the street. Uh, what can we do with that piece of property? Uh, how do we make this a destination point? But also, if you think about it, it's it's the anchor to the west side of the city as you lead downtown. So how can we use be, make that a catalyst to help spur development between uh, our property and 16 Tech, which is an area downtown, how, how can we help grow that 16th Street corridor and, and just really uh, create some uh, economic economic redevelopment in, in the whole area? So that's our focus. I think you'll see um, a lot of a lot of movement there, probably beginning in 24 and 25 as we really start planning those things out. I got an, I got an idea. I'll throw my hat in if if I can just get this out there. All right, so right across the street. And it just becomes a whole strip of bars and watering holes, and you call it the pit stop. And then you bar you, so you have a whole campaign bar hop at the pit stop, and then you, you it leads you right into the motor speedway. <laughs> I like that idea. That that would be that would be okay with me certainly, and I think a lot of folks would like that. But that's the idea, right? We need to find a way to create some sort of destination place where people want to be. It probably has to have some sort of race racing theme or at least a real connection to uh, the racetrack in the town. And that's going to take that's going to take uh, work from not just the Speedway and Pinsky Entertainment, but it's going to take work from the town of Speedway and the city of Indianapolis and some level of the state of Indiana to really think about what do we want this area to look like. There's about 400 acres of property that are south of the IndyCar offices that that, that are um, owned by some private folks in the town together. And those folks all need to be included and figure out how do we really make this a destination location. So we got a couple of questions here from fans as well that that have uh, that have gotten involved, and I think some of these are interesting. There's one that is, uh, what started the idea behind the president's pin? I guess there's a president's pin of some sort. And uh, this person that asked, uh, you gave one to their daughter, so obviously they, um, they love that. And now the two-seaters are running behind us, so in case you hear that sound, that's part of the podcast now. It's all right, car's on track, baby. Yeah, we're excited. <laughs> Yeah, the, so the President Penn started in 2016. It was something that I wanted to do. Um, you know, people give challenge points out. The military and other give challenge points out, but that's pretty limited. Those are uh, and great. And really, I didn't. This I know this doesn't sound the right way. I, di I didn't care to give something necessarily to an old fan like me. I wanted to be able to get down on my knee and hand something to a young kid and say, "Hey, thanks for coming," uh, and try and make a moment that a kid would remember and say, "You know what? I'm going to be a fan of of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway and the 8500." So I created these. Uh, or our creative team, I asked them to create these pins called President Pins. So we did our first one in 2016, and we've had a different one every year. So I, I have one this year that I that I uh, that I give out, and it's only for kids. Uh, I used to give them to anybody, um, 
but then I started seeing them for sale online. Um, and then I thought, that's not cool. This is really not su- supposed to be yeah. a collector's item. This is supposed to be a connecting point for kids. So like last year's pen I have right here is just a little state of Indiana pen. It says back home again because we were back home again. And I've got this year's is just a little oval and it just got my name and the date on it. And I hand it to a kid and say, hey, thanks. And I say to the parent, hey, thanks for bringing kids is the most important thing we do. So it's just an, just a really cool way to connect with a kid and hopefully put a seed in their brain that, you know what, IndyCar is cool. Last last one for me before we get to the hardcore fan questions like Connor was talking about, and I just have to ask because we talk about it pretty regularly on the show, so to have the president of IMS on, I have to bring it up. How does IMS and, and how do you um, continue to battle Formula One and the growing <laughs> popularity, but then also the nonsense that they try to spew about uh, taking away trademark type of things from uh, the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Yeah, we've talked about this a lot on the show, obviously, and I think Doug and my mother have listened every now and then to the yeah, show. Yeah, yeah. We have we 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 obviously think that IndyCar IMS should be suing the pants off of F1, right. but uh, but yeah, obviously you you have the more business mind, so let us know, I guess, what what the thoughts are on that. Well, the marks clearly ours, right? I mean, it, yeah. it's it's the greatest spectacle of racing. I don't care how you how you rearrange the words; it's it's still ours. And when we first heard it, we thought this can't be right. Um, and then we began to see it a little bit more, uh, sort of mostly at the initially connected to the Vegas race. And uh, so we we uh, reached out uh, and decided the right way to do it was through uh, just sort of personal connection and. And then we uh, drafted a, a more formal letter that was still not totally le- legal. It came from, uh, we, we penned it from Mark to sign and, and we sent that to the folks at, uh, the folks at Liberty and said, hey, you, you, this is clearly our mark as we've discussed. We'd like you to stop using it. Uh, they responded that they would stop using it and make sure that in, their, in places where they had previously used it, they would try and scrub that so it wasn't around. And then we thought we, thought we were fine. And then... And then Miami happens in pre-race, and it, and so it's caused us to have to have to have another conversation. You know, the last thing we want to do is get in a situation where we're suing somebody. Uh, but yeah. in the intellectual property world, if you want to protect your mark, you have to vigorously defend it. And that's why you get in. Sometimes you see the weird stories about the NFL cracking down on the small church who's having a NFL watching party. Well, they have to because if they don't do it there. That it, it takes away their leverage to be able to protect it in situations where they where they really have to. So we uh, we are taking it seriously. I think um, Liberty understands we're taking it seriously, and basically we said, hey, we we're race fans. We want you to be successful, but hey, that's our it's our mark. Go go create your own. Go create your own history. Go create your own connection to the speedway, and and uh, you know leave us alone. And I think I think ultimately that's where it'll end up. Well, I think we see it so often with the Super Bowl, right? You can't say Super Bowl. Like people, like right. you you have to say the big, big game. game or, <laughs> you know, the the superb owl. Like, I remember that. Like there's, there's like, there's things that you have to use. And that's like, I think very obvious to people. Like people know that like when you say right. the big game, like, all right, okay, yeah, we, we can't say Super Bowl. So it, it is, it is something that I completely agree with. Like the fact that they cannot use it is, is, I mean, yeah, we should be, you know, showing up with swords and shields at their offices, you know, a bunch of IndyCar fans if we need to. Like, it's... I'll leave the charge. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's it's just, it's absurd, um, especially since they don't really do a lot of racing in that motor racing series. Um, but I, I I think we have a lot here as well, but we, we don't want to take up too much of your time. I think there's an interesting question that I saw from fans. Do you actually get to watch many of the sessions? Like, when, when we're out there... 
do you take some time to see what's going on? Like, obviously, you got six hours of practice. You got like seven hours today, something like that. But do you actually? I assume there's a lot going on from a operational standpoint. Yep. But you also have a lot of employees. So, uh, do you get to watch many of the sessions? Do you get to watch many of the things that are going on out there? Aside from doing the business, I don't get to watch very much, unfortunately. Um, that's that's the challenge of where we are. You know, today, for example, as we're getting ready to go, you know, I'm pretty much back to back to back until about three o'clock today. Oh. And then that's including, you know, then at, at, in, inside all that, I'm trying to keep up with phone calls and, you know, other things as, as stuff comes comes about. So for the most part, I, I will uh, put the app on my phone or in my trackside office here, which is really a broom closet. Um, I have a little TV in here, so I'll at least have a timing and scoring up so I can kind of keep keep track of what's going on. And if there's mm-hmm. an incident on track, um, I get an alert and then I'm, I've, I'll try and spend a few minutes just making sure everything's okay there. The track's okay. Safer wall's okay. Driver's okay. You know, all those things to make sure uh, that we're moving forward. But I, I don't, I mean, even race day is not, is not a great thing for me in terms of being able to watch it. I'll, I'll watch, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, I'll watch the start. Um, I drive, I get to drive one of the Camaros at the front of the grid, which is awesome. I get in the track just in time. Um, usually I, I park inside of turn one and get out of the car and watch you guys all scream through turn one. And that's about all I get to watch then. Um, and the rest of the time, I'm just trying to solve problems and help the team uh, execute for our 325,000 fans that are here. I have a quick question. So one of my favorite modes from this year from media day was when Beth Bowles went in and ambushed Connor's interview. Can you give us a little insight on whose idea that was? <laughs> um, I, probably it was probably my idea. Um, and, uh, you know, I don't know that I want to admit that, but we, uh, so we, we actually had done one, one day of media day before, uh, the day that, that Connor and several other, uh, other drivers came through and we were doing these, uh, Doug and driver meetings. We had 10 drivers, I think that we were doing, and we were trying to do these weekly conversations leading up to the Indianapolis 500. So we had them planned out on exactly who was going to be where, um, and we knew we were going to use Connor to kick the month of May off. You know, nobody really more popular in this community uh, at the racetrack than Connor. Having led the last two 500s is just a really, you know, uh, really cool story. Only, only Indianapolis-born or Central Indiana-born driver in the field. You know, throw a couple of them that really are residents. Uh, obviously, a lot of folks have relocated here, and so we were driving uh, from Palm Springs Convention Center back to Thermal, and Beth was with me. I said, you know, I got a crazy idea, and I, I don't know if. I don't know if this will work or not, but what if we plan this thing, we get things started, I act like I'm getting a phone call, I'll say to Zach, hey, I don't want to waste Connor's time, you know, so the whole thing plays out, and and Beth in the car says, I don't want to do that. That's why I said, well, Connor won't like it, and I won't be any good, and it just, it'll, it won't, it just won't work. I said, and then so as we talked through the evening, went to bed, and she wasn't in, and then the next day, Zach, Zach Horrell, who does a lot of our our social media said, you know, we think this is a great idea. It could be really funny. And honestly, the only reason it worked is because Connor was the way he was. Had Connor just said, okay, I'm going to be serious about this and just treat it like an interview, it would have been terrible. But the fact that he treated it like every kid would treat it if his mom sat down and was going to interview him um, <laughs> made it so perfect, right? I mean, it's exactly how if my mom sat down and started interviewing me, I'd like, mom, I'm I I got business to do. I don't want to talk about my facial hair and the whole the whole <laughs> thing. So, uh, but the great part on on so after Beth knew Zach wanted to do it, then she started talking about well, here's what I think I'll do, and 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 it just frankly it worked out because of the way Connor's reactions were. It's hysterical, right? It's it's exactly what how it should have worked. And had had Connor just answered the questions, 
Uh, um, it would it would it would not have been nearly as funny. This is the last one I got, and it's also from uh, Cow Kid One on Instagram. Um, any red carpet guests to hint or announce, and also green flag. Who's waving it? Do we have any idea? So I think we have. So we have. Um, so today we're taping this is Wednesday. We have an announcement tomorrow. Um, we'll have at, an announcement Friday, announcement Monday, and announcement Tuesday. So all those things will start to unfold here over the course of the next five or six days. I think the last announcement we'll make is the pace car driver. I think we do that next Tuesday. Um, nice. So they're, so they're all sorted. They're all set. I'm really excited about uh, the green flag. I think it's going to connect really well to um, that. There's a huge group of people who may not be race fans who probably follow this person. So I think that's one of the, the key things you really try and do when you bring somebody like that, that, that in, uh, from an, from a name standpoint. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that, but that all starts here over the next couple of days. That's awesome. Well, Doug, uh, I don't want to take up too much of your time as we know there's a lot going on here and we also got to record the rest of our show too. So, uh, thank you so much for, for being a part of our show. And, uh, before you go though, do you, Tell us maybe a year that we should use. I know you love our random Indy 500 driver yeah. of the week segment. Do you have a year for us for the random Indy 500 driver of the week segment that we could choose for this week's random Indy, Ricky Shredway random Indy 500 driver of the week? Yeah, that's a great question. And Go I do a random seg- year. Your last one I was do, a hit. I do love the segment. What I love about the segment is sometimes you guys come up with names that for people who grew up through, especially through the 60s and 70s or, or even the 80s, um, and they have some weird names and it's fun to hear, watch the way you guys pronounce them. And that's, that's what makes it beautiful. You could do a lot of the work <laughs> on the front and they get them exactly right, but it wouldn't be nearly, nearly as fun. Um, you know, I don't have one in, in, in particular off the top of my head. I'm trying to think of something that would fit really well. Um, you know, maybe 1972, which would be Roger's first win year. Um, it's a Mark Donahue year. It's one of the coolest cars to win the Indy 500. That's Sunoco, a 66 with a big, massive wing on the back. Uh, that's back in the day when they had tires the size of the car, um, <laughs> and they had super front, you know, super speed down the front stretch, and uh, and then they had to figure out how to get through the corners. Um, so a '72 race might be a fun one because you're going to probably get a mix of road race drivers in there as well as some crazy short track driver names. So you might be able to find a good name in 1972. All right, we're doing 1972. Yep, Doug Bowles, man. Thank you so much. Uh, all right, guys. We'll see you on the track at today after all you're done with all your meetings. <laughs> all right. Good luck today. Thank you. Thank, thank you, sir. Thanks, guys. There he is, president of IMS, Doug Bowles, Connor's stepdad, kind of all of our uh, you know racing dads in a way here, our race fans. Uh, you know, He's just kind of popping to all of us, it feels like. Great conversation with him. Uh, no, he's busy, so appreciate that. Um, 1972. We're doing it. Ricky Treadway, random Indy 500 driver from 1972 as courtesy from the Prez himself, what do we got? Yeah, absolutely. We got uh, the 1972 Indianapolis 500, as Doug Bowles mentioned. Uh, we are going to go with uh, the seventh place finisher. Uh, his name is Mike Hiss. Mike Hiss. Sounds like, Not Mike Hiss. Sounds like a pretty yeah. Mike Hiss. Uh, seventh place finisher. Um, he was, uh, looks like he is sadly not alive. Uh, so this is another one uh, in the RIP section. Uh, he raced in the 1972 to 1976 seasons, 28 career starts, including the Indianapolis 500, 1972 through 1975. Um, interesting. He, uh, Hiss was the centerfold of the first preview issue of Playgirl magazine. Hell yeah. Published, published in 1973. What? 
Oh, he was briefly married to Arlene Hiss, the first woman to start a USAC champ car event. So, so I'm with Hiss. the ladies. Yeah. <laughs> Mike Hiss, a complete dog. Like, wow, that's um that's uh fold first issue of Playgirl magazine. Didn't know that was a real thing. Um I tell you what, you learn new things every day. Mike Hiss. Interesting. Yeah, he's a decent, decent looking fellow. No, maybe he just, you know, had the the swag. He had that dog use. Yeah, the dang, he had that dog they like the hair, the smile. I don't know. It's yeah, it's like uh, if Joseph Newgarden was, uh, you know, he'd be on Playgirl today. You know, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, that's true. He'd be on there with the yep. shirt off and everything like that. Highly featured. Uh, uh so Mike Kiss passed away in uh, 2018. Um, uh, but seventh place finisher in the the 1972 Indianapolis. 500 mile race yeah he started on the front row in 1974 uh which is wild um but uh yeah best finish is seven uh tried to make it in 1976 did not qualify and then 1978 did not start for some reason started eighth but he did not did not even start so not even sure what meant right there. there he qualified the more for mario andretti who was driving formula one there you go right that makes sense mike hiss <laughs> friends with friends with Mario Andretti, two dogs. Mike uh, yeah. friends with Mike Hong gangsters. Yeah. <laughs> so very, very good there. All right. Appreciate that from Doug. Connor's got to run. He's got a full day in the car, full day behind other mics. Um, so hope to see everybody out here at the track today, tomorrow, this weekend. Um, and then we're into race week, everybody. So uh, thank you for being with us. As always, be sure to do all the good things. Follow, subscribe, like, rate, review, send it to a friend. Yell Speed Street at us when you see us at the track. And we will be back next week to preview the greatest spectacle in racing. Check out Dirty Mo Media on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Dirty Mo.